Hello and welcome to another edition of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is your host, John Jantz, and my guest today is Bob Berg. He is a speaker, trainer, and author of books such as Endless Referrals and Winning Without Intimidation, and most recently he co-authored a little book called The Go-Giver with John David Mann. So, Bob, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, we're going to get into uh, your newest book, but uh, but I, I can't uh, pass up an opportunity to talk about referrals um, specifically with you. So uh, you wrote uh, Endless Referrals. Gosh, it's in its third or fourth printing now, isn't it? Or I'm, I'm, I don't mean printing. I mean uh, edition or revision, isn't it? Yeah, in uh, 2005, we did the third uh, edition of it. Wow. It's okay. been out since, I think, 1994 now. Wow, all right. So let's talk about referrals. It's amazing. Uh, I go around and speak to small business owners. I hear from small business owners. Uh, every single day, and and if if I ask a room of small business owners, what's the what's the number one way that you've generated most of your business to date? And and without fail, it will be word of mouth or referrals or whatever term people end up using for somebody else told <laughs> told me to hire you. Uh, but then you know what's funny is I'll ask them then okay, how many of you you know systematically go out there and just make that a big part of your marketing? And it's like blank faces you know so i i'm assuming that you've discovered you've you've found that to be the case a lot of times too so what what is it that that holds people back from really taking advantage of this obviously powerful tool sure and it's a great question i, I thought you you handled the whole referral aspect wonderfully in duct tape marketing oh well thanks, uh, thanks. You know, I think fear and uh, lack of knowledge, just like anything else, that's pretty much what holds people back from obtaining referrals. Mm-hmm. There's the, the fear of rejection. There's the fear of thinking you're talking past the sale. Yeah. Uh, there's the fear of thinking you're you're staying too long or that you appear desperate and so yeah. forth. Now, of course, you know we don't want to stay past the talk past <laughs> the sale. We don't want to stay too long. But those are those are skill sets, and yeah. and we can easily learn how to to do these correctly. Uh, it's basically the fear of thinking that that's going to happen. Uh, then there's also the the fear, and this is a well-founded fear, of not knowing how to ask correctly. Yeah. Uh, you know, people have been taught to say things like, well, who do you know who might be, or do you know anybody who, as though that's all of a sudden going to trigger off an yeah. avalanche of names, and yeah. of course it's not true. So there are ways to be able to ask correctly once you've earned the right to ask, and once you've you've established that referral worthiness. Yeah. In fact, I often tell people if you're not getting referrals accidentally, then there's probably a bigger problem than marketing, huh? <laughs> you know, I mean, because that the, no, no, no marketing, no system, no learned skill in the world is going is to help you get referrals if you're not referable. Well, you're, you're totally correct, and I, I loved how you systemized everything in your book, which, of course, doesn't surprise me, having been a, you know, a student of, of, uh, of Michael Gerber. Yeah. But you and your in, in duct tape marketing, I thought you just laid out the plan for, for everything from the initial to the, uh, you know, to the process, to the referrals, to everything just beautifully. So congratulations. <laughs> I, I love seeing your book at the bookstore and, and uh, how popular it is. Well, thank you very much, and uh, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say I uh, – Picked your book up uh, years before, as long as we're trading compliments here, years before I uh, wrote any of my material, and it it, uh, consciously or subconsciously influenced me, I'm certain of that. Oh, thank you. So what would you say for somebody um, who is out there saying, okay, I know I need to do this, you know, but how? I mean, what are what are maybe some essential or or keys to, to really getting more referrals instead of just waiting for them to happen? Okay, well, the first thing, I, 
yeah, I believe everything begins with a premise. Uh, it begins with a foundation. And what I've been saying for years is is simply what I call the golden rule of, of networking. And that is all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. It always comes down to that. They have to know you. They have to know who you are. You know, I, I, I love Ralph Waldo Emerson, but it, one of his most uh, – popular sayings uh, is one that I disagree with. And, it, and to paraphrase it, it's the person who builds the better mousetrap can sit back and wait because the world will beat a path to his door. Yeah. Uh, isn't going to happen. I don't know what it was back then. Isn't going to happen now. Well, it was before the internet. That's what it was. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do they have to like you? Sure. Well, we know Dr. Robert Cialdini in his great book, Influence, Science and Practice, talks about likability as one of the six reasons why people will take action, follow a certain person, do a certain thing. And then there's trust. And uh, Stephen M. R. Covey wrote a beautiful, beautiful book called The Speed of Trust, right, in which right. he takes trust from a, uh, what's thought of as a soft skill into a very measurable, quantifiable skill. And right now we live in a very low-trust society, so it's all those things. Now, right. I love your marketing definition, getting people who have a specific need or problem to know, like, and trust you. Right. So, again, that's what it all comes to. So as long as we understand that, now we, we, can, we can take a system, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, in this case perhaps for, for uh, developing a referral-based business, and now start with it. And it all starts with finding the right people, meeting the right people, and then, if you will, winning them over in a way that's, that's uh, beneficial to all. Yeah. A lot of it really does come down to, to, to you having a very clear definition of who you're trying to attract, I think, as an ideal customer, because that, uh, whatever you want to call it, quantum physics or you know something that feels a little more practical, you, you will attract uh, the folks that, that you are intending to attract. I'm, I'm certain of that. Absolutely, I think we see that time and again. And and you know, the, and the funny thing is, with the quantum physics, it, it that gives a logical uh, explanation in a certain sense that's way beyond my ability to understand. So, but we can say this: when we have a uh, a certain um, look or mindset or knowledge of who we want to attract, it's obviously going to cause us to take the action, and action is the key thing. We're going to take that action uh, that causes us to do the things that will attract that person. Yeah. So what uh, what then are you? And sometimes people learn it's a, it's it's unfortunate. Sometimes people learn from hearing what not to do. <laughs> um, so what what are some of the, the the common mistakes that you see people making when they when they determine okay I'm going to go out there and I'm going to make sure that I'm a 100% referral business? What what are, what are things that trip them up? Well, I think in a sense it's it's putting the focus uh, too much on us and not on the other person. Yeah. Uh, for example, if we take the, the you know the go giver uh, and we talk about the first law, which is the law of value, your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value uh, than you take in payment. And people might get a little bit confused with that. And say, well, what? Wait a second. Am I supposed to be giving more away than I'm taking? No. We simply need to understand the difference between price and value. Yeah. Price is a dollar figure, a dollar amount. Value. Uh, on the other hand, that's different. Uh, value is simply the 
relative worth or desirability of a thing to the end user. We take the, the example of the accountant who uh, charges $500. That's his price, his fee. But he provides through, he, he, through his wisdom, his knowledge, his, his desire to do right by you and add value to you, he uh, saves you $2,000 in your taxes, 20 hours of that you don't have to spend pulling out your hair, and he provides you with the security of knowing it's done correctly. Well, he's given you a lot more in value than what he charged, yet he makes a profit. Well, I think what we need to do is, is as we're building a relationship with someone new, we have to have that in mind. Not the not what we're going to get out of it, but what, what the value is that we can add to someone else. So we take our minds off ourselves and look simply on how we can add value to that person. It's sort of like when you talk about putting that person through the funnel and you're, at, you're giving them information, you're giving them resources, you're giving them help, you're giving them value that's going to continue to, to attract them to you so that they know that, that once they need what you offer, you're going to be the only logical person they can ever think of doing business with or referring you to others. Yeah, I was going to say, and then and then the value proposition becomes exponential, of course, because of the, the, the amount of business that they may end up helping you attract. Well, here's the thing. You take the law of compensation, the next law. Your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. So with law number one, we learn to add more value than we take in payment. Law number two tells us that the more people whose lives we add that kind of exceptional value to, the more money with which we'll be rewarded. So we go back to our accountant for a moment, and you feel great about the fact that he gave you over $2,000 of value for a $500 fee. You feel great about him. You probably want to do business with him again, and there's a good chance that you'd like to sing his praises to others. So in a very short, and, and by the way, his other clients are doing the same thing. So in a relatively short period of time, our accountant is amassing an army of personal walking ambassadors. Yeah, and I, I think one of the things that people underestimate is in, in, in the whole referral piece, and you really touched on it beautifully already, is that you know people refer for logical reasons. It was a good price. You, you did what you said. You do all you know all those kinds of things. But when you start heaping this value on it, people people really start getting emotionally involved because because they see that you're giving, you're willing to give, you're you want their best interest. You know, they, they, there's a whole other connection I think that happens, and that's when people really start going out of their way uh, to to maybe support you or help you in the, in that regard. Well, you bring up a beautiful point because that goes back almost to the mistake people make in trying to measure how much value they give. Well, I don't want to give too much because then I'm being taken advantage of. And, of course, while we don't want to be taken advantage of uh, and we want to act intelligently, the fact is it's pretty hard to give yourself away. And if you take your advice in, in making sure you frame exactly who your ideal client is, that's not going to happen. Yeah. So, uh, you know, leading into law number three, the law of influence, your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Well, now, you know, as, as you know, there's no quicker, no faster, no more powerful way to elicit those know you, like you, trust you feelings toward you in others um, than by constantly adding value to their life in advance before you ever have a chance to even get their business yeah. or referrals. And, and I think that the universe has a very accurate accounting system, too. <laughs> it's amazing how that works, isn't it? It's, it's, it's a, a lot of times it's difficult for people to understand that almost until they apply uh, you know, the kind of information you and I talk about. Uh, yeah. 
but you know, it's it, it's also in a sense it's it's maybe easy to explain to them how the uh, uh, the realism works. That when you do these things, that when you're always putting other people first, when you're always trying to add value to people's lives, hey, obviously people feel good about you. They feel great about you, and they have a desire to want to be a part of your life. And uh, you know, I love what Wallace Waddle says in his in his uh, 1910 classic, The Science of Getting Rich. He says, "Give every person more in use value than you take from them in cash value. That way, you're adding to the life of the world with every business transaction." Yeah. So, you know, when you're adding more life to people, when you're when you're you're helping them feel better about themselves, when you're helping them solve a problem, overcome some pain, reach some pleasure, hey, they feel great about you, and it, and so it's very logical in a sense that the more you do for them, uh, the more they're going to want to do for you. Yet, you know, you don't do for and this is important, of course. You don't do for them with an emotional attachment yeah. you have to get back from them or from anyone else. Again, you know, let the universe be the best scorekeeper. Yeah. You know, you give because you love to, you, you truly love to add value to people's lives. You give because it's what you, you know, it's who you are, because it's who you are, it's what you do. Yeah. Well, and the, and it, it, it really is, I think, uh, a, a lot of folks start businesses because uh, they they do see it as the opportunity to to get what they want out of life and and I think when you you hit on either something or or some process or some business that that really allows you to do that joyfully uh, uh, it really makes this whole thing of owning a business a heck of a lot more fun doesn't it Sure, it makes it a lot more fun. It, it makes it a lot less stressful, and it, and it certainly makes it a lot more profitable. Yeah. Well, now um, you already dove into a couple of the laws um, in your book, but but let's back up just a second and and tell me a little bit just the the premise, maybe the overall premise behind the Go Giver, and 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 maybe where that idea came from. Sure. Well, the premise itself is simply that shifting one's focus from getting. Mm-hmm. Giving, meaning in this case, constantly and consistently adding value to people's lives, is not only a nice way to live life, which I think most of us intuitively know, but a very profitable way as well. You know, I got very lucky in co-authoring this with John David Mann, who's just an incredible author. You know, John, I'm a, I'm a how-to author, so you know, how-to authors we write in terms of step one, step two, right, step three. Right. I never could have written, <laughs> you know, a parable. John took, you know, just really made this, these people come alive in in, in the story come alive, but we wanted to do this in a parable setting because we wanted to sort of find a way to put this message out there that that doing good and doing well are very consistent. They're in total alignment, Uh, that you did not have to, that that doing good did not mean in any way you needed to be self-sacrificial or a martyr. That you do good and you do well, you profit. And so we wanted to maybe change the paradigms around just a little bit. Well, it's funny. My uh, actually, my agent—not so much a publisher, but my agent—is is pushing me uh, towards uh, the the notion of writing more of a parable kind of book. And and you're absolutely right. I, I know they're very hot, but uh, it is a whole different mindset in terms of the way you think and and dialogue and all those kinds of things that that are really kind of artful skills. Oh, it's it's <laughs> absolutely amazing. I I quickly as I tried to do it myself at first, I quickly realized I was way out of my league. <laughs> now, some people will, and I'm sure you've heard this and just because there are people that'll take this approach to anything anyone does, but some people might suggest the idea behind this book is maybe too simple. Uh, and I know you actually addressed that with your character <laughs> um, in the book who who had that uh, initial thought. Uh, any any thoughts about uh, um, about that notion? 
I, I hope it is. That's a great question. I, I hope it is too simple. If something can be too simple, I, I hope it is. I, I also had one person I was interviewed recently, and the person said, Bob, I want to ask you something. I, you know, I, I'm not sure how original this is. Are, are you and John trying to say this is original? And my answer was, nope. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wish I could have a... <laughs> it was, there was nothing really original about the message. Um, well, yeah, go, tell them to go pick up a copy of the Bible. Uh, so, right, you know. exactly. You know, <laughs> it's so... Uh, and so, really, I, I think, John, you're exactly right. It's a very, very simple message. But but I'm with you on that, though, that I think that that's, you know, everybody's looking for the new strategy that nobody ever thought about. And and uh, I, I will take a simple idea brilliantly executed on uh, over, you know, pages and pages of theory. Well, you know, the theory goes, John, that, that Vince Lombardi used to begin his preseason address to his Super Bowl champion Green Bay Packers by holding up an object in his hands and saying, gentlemen, this is a football. Right. <laughs> so, you know, if you remember about them, and, and you might be too young for this, but I, I kind of remember, I'm, I'm 50 years old, and I just kind of remember the, the, the late 60s when they were so good. They were great at blocking, tackling, and running. Yeah, yep. You know, and, and, and people knew their plays in advance and couldn't stop them. You know, so it really simpler, simplest is best. Yeah, no question. And that's that's the idea of just breaking it down to something that you know you will do and do every day until you're tired of it and just make it a habit. And, and that's I think that's where true momentum comes from. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. And that's one of the things, and again, to, you know, to go back to your book, that was one of the things I was most impressed, that you could take these ideas uh, and you could, you could implement them without getting too hung up on having to do all these you know, incredible, crazy things. No, it was just a very, uh, it, was, it was brilliantly simple in that you could take these ideas and, and implement them right away. And as you said, implement them consistently. Again, it's that, that very simple, basic idea, uh, implement it consistently over time. And that's when you get huge results. Well, let's um, let's uh, wrap up today, if you don't mind. With uh, you, you already uh, um, talked about a couple laws, and and uh, I, I know that I think we covered two: uh, the law of value, law of compensation. But uh, there are three more. Do you mind if we just kind of hit briefly on each of those, and then uh, and then I'll tell people go out and buy the book so they can get the full story. So, okay. so, so we're on to. Went over law of influence, but yeah. not really. Okay. I, I sort of did okay. the, the, the explanation without giving the law. The law of influence is det- your your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first, which sounds counterproductive, and yet it, it of course works very very uh, realistically and very well. Right. Fourth law is the law of authenticity, which says the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself, mm. and this means nothing more than understanding that all the sales skills, technical skills, people skills are all for naught if you're not authentic, and just as importantly, if you don't communicate that authenticity to others. However, when you when you are you, when you are yourself, when you've got that kind of integrity where what you think and what you say and what you do are in total alignment, then those skills, and skills are very important, those skills are just the power is multiplied exponentially. Well, I will, I will tell you, I have seen some of the most engaging speakers uh, that, that you know, on the, the 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 habits and the practices that might uh, might be seen as as brilliant speakers having, uh, they didn't have, but they were just so real, and and you just knew they were being themselves. They're leaning against the podium, saying "Ah, shucks," and they were still some of the most engaging speakers because they were just so authentic. I've seen the same thing, and yeah. I I agree with you completely. Yeah, and so on to the law of uh, receptivity. Yeah, the law of receptivity simply says the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. Uh, This is understanding that as important as it is to breathe,
breathe out, you've still got to breathe in. Yeah. You know, we breathe out carbon dioxide, we breathe in oxygen. Uh, giving and receiving are, are two sides of the same coin. And as, as John says, to try to focus on one while minimizing the other is an exercise in futility. And I think all, not all of us, but many of us have a problem sometimes with receiving. I know that was something that I had a challenge with way back then, and it was something I had to get over uh, if I was going to allow abundance to come into my life. And, you know, every so often the, the, the monster of, of not allowing uh, comes back. I, just very recently our, our bookkeeper came in, and she was, she, as she was doing her work, she had a, 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 pen, a pen she was using, which I thought was, had a really neat design to it. It wasn't very fancy, but I, I liked it. I said, hey, Trina, that's a great pen. Where did you get it? I'm going to buy one. She said, well, well, here, have this one. I've got plenty of them at home. I said, no, no, I can't take your pen. She goes, no, really, I've got plenty. I said, no, I, I, I can't do that. She goes, well, why not? I said, well, I wouldn't feel right taking your pen. And she said, Bob, it's really a, a, a simple two-step process. Number one, take the pen. Number two, say thank you. <laughs> and I'm thinking, gosh, you know, how often do we continue to, do we teach what we need to continue to learn, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and, and I think you flip that around. A lot of people uh, derive a lot of joy from giving. And, and that's true. And so yeah. when we refuse the gifts exactly. of others, uh, or, you know, when we refuse to receive, we're refusing the gifts of others. And yeah. so, so we really need to be able to do both. Now, for those of us who have that natural trouble sometimes in receiving, we can kind of go back to law number one and say to ourselves, hey, as long as we know we are always and consistently focusing on adding value to the lives of others, then we've actually earned the right to receive, and we can allow that to happen. And like anything else, it's taking small steps. It's building upon your small successes and allowing it to happen, feeling comfortable and confident with it. And then from there, it's like, wow, it's a whole just different thing. Yeah, and, and, and I think to take that a little one step farther, I, th- I, I do think that there are people that say, okay, yeah, I get that, you know, academically – this law of giving, receiving, connected, but that sometimes means uh, being able to step up and say, "Okay, I'm worth five thousand dollars for this, you know, for, for for this engagement." And and so to 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 stand up and and really be able to proudly say, you know, this is the value I'm delivering. And I think that a lot of small business owners have a little trouble with that. Gosh, am I really worth it? Can I really ask for that much money for the project I did? And I and I think that that's uh, maybe rooted in that uh, receptivity a bit. Yes, I. I- agree with you. It, it, I know it's something I had to overcome, and I've met so many people who've had to overcome that challenge. And and, and sometimes, and I remember myself when I when I first jumped significantly in fees, it was because another person said to me, you know, why are you still working? I said, well, I don't know if I can get any more. You know, and he said, well, you know what? Are you adding much more value than what you'd be? Yeah, you said, then ask for it and get it. Yeah. And you know, it was scary the first time. <laughs> yeah. But after you get through it and you build in your small successes, it becomes a lot easier. And then you know, and and but I, I think you're exactly right. And so it, it's understanding just how much value you provide. And again, providing more in value than you take in payment doesn't mean you're giving more than you receive. That's a misnomer. And and I, I I'm always quick to sort of correct yeah. that when someone says, "Bob, are you and John saying you should give more?" No, you're just giving and receiving in different ways. And it all has to do with with knowing that you're giving much more in value than what you're taking in payment, yet you're still making a healthy profit. Well, and I often tell people, uh, you know, they ask me how long it took me to write my book, and I, and I, you know, I tell them about 20 years, mm-hmm. you know, exactly. and so that's, you know, hopefully what, what uh, I'm not suggesting that there's even that much value in it, but in terms of, of you know, 
what it took me to, to be able to do that uh, is certainly more than maybe the 90 days that it actually took me to put the, the physical 78,123 words down. Well, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, when you think of it, when someone, uh, you know, someone purchases your book, and I, I'm trying to remember something like $25 or something, well, this person's going to get, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of value from your book. So, you know, it, it kind of works. If you look at the first law, you're giving more in value than you're taking in payment, yet you make a small profit from that book. Yet, when you sell, you know, millions of books, and I know you're on your way to that if you're not there yet, uh, you're making that, you know, you're you're making even a lot more money because now you're adding that kind of value to the lives of a lot of people. So whether you're an author doing that, whether you're a computer salesperson doing that, whether you're a corporate CEO, a small business person, a graphic designer, a realtor, a banker, what have you, as long as you're adding more in value than you're taking in payment and finding a way to touch the lives of a lot of people with that value, then you're always going to be making a, a, a terrific living. Absolutely. Bob, thanks. We're out of time, but I uh, appreciate you taking the time. Uh, the Go-Giver can be found. You've got a lot of stuff there. At the Go, isn't it thegogiver.com? No. Yes, yes. thegogiver.com, okay. yeah. and they can download uh, Chapter 1 for free. Right, and, and I would suggest they check out your other uh, referral-based uh, and negotiation-based uh, products and training and uh, things that you have as well. Well, John, thanks, and it was just a, a pleasure and an honor being asked yeah. to be on the call. Uh, 